We're going to turn this morning to 1 Peter chapter 2, beginning to look at verse 13. 1 Peter 2, 13 through 17. Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether to a king as one in authority, or to governors as sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and the praise of those who do right. For such is the will of God, that by doing right you may silence the ignorance of foolish men. Act as free men, do not use your freedom as a covering for evil, but use it as bond slaves of God. Honor all people, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. I think of all people we have so much to praise the Lord for today especially when we think of the land in which we live and the freedom that we have enjoyed. I realize as I say that we do not have a perfect government. And yet when you look around the world at the instability, when you look at the wars and the violence in so many parts of the world, we have been tremendously blessed of God. We need to give him thanks for that, but also with every blessing that God sends comes a responsibility. Blessings bring responsibility into our lives. As we look at what he is saying here in verse 13 and following, we need to go back to verse 9 for just a moment. Remember in verse 9, we were left here to do what? Proclaim the excellencies of Christ. To to reveal to our world the glory of Jesus Christ. To be living examples of Christ in our society. In verse 11 and 12, last week we looked at two overriding principles there. He said, if we're going to proclaim the excellencies of Christ, we have to abstain from fleshly lusts, and then we have to keep our behavior excellent among the Gentiles. Now Peter begins a series of specific areas in which he takes those two principles and says, this is how I want you to live them out. This is how you're going to keep your behavior Excellent among the Gentiles here. And he begins with our governing authorities now. How do we as Christians relate to those that are in authority over us in the political realm? How do we glorify Christ in that? I'm just going to raise a few controversial issues for you for just a minute before we jump into the principles here. I jotted down... I got four in my notes. I could have gone on. Uh, when the second Gulf War started, we had a lot of anti-war demonstrations. Now, living in America, we had the right to partic- participate in them. You didn't have that right when Peter was writing. If you did that, your life was forfeit. But today, I think perhaps the lines are a little more blurred than it was in Peter's day because we have the freedom of speech we have the right to criticize. We, we have the right to protest. We have the right to get involved in, in some of these causes. Now, the obvious question is, should we? Uh, it, when you think back to the, the, when the Second War started, many in our major cities, many people blocked some of the major intersections. Should we, as a child of God, been sitting there with them? Or should we have abstained from that? Uh, I'm just raising the issues for a minute, so bear with me. Uh, Another area is the area of the abortion clinics. We have the right to protest. We have the right to bear signs, to pass out literature. But do we have the right to bomb the clinic? Uh, 
again, an area that some Christians have wrestled with. I remember years ago when I was pastoring back in South Dakota, I, we met with four or five other pastors monthly for prayer and fellowship together. And one day one of the pastors revealed the fact that that Sunday he had gotten a call from his son. Son lived in, had moved to Chicago. He was on his own. But he said, Dad, I just want you to know that I'm going to get arrested this week. He said, I'm going to, we're going to do a sit-in at an abortion clinic, and, and I volunteered to be one of those that, that gets arrested to make our statement. What problems would that cause? Would you be involved in it, or, or would you like the fact that your son called and, and said this is going to happen? Uh, then we have the environmental issues today. I, I remember several years ago when our ginger sister and her husband were ranching, it was just the middle of calving season, and she went outside, and here comes a wolf mingling with her cattle and the, the new calves. She tries to scare it away, and it didn't work, so she gets her gun, and she shoots over the head of the wolf, and the wolf runs away. She told uh, an officer of the state that, a neighbor, and he says, you know, I could charge you with harassing the wolf. What would you do in that kind of a situation? Would you harass the wolf? Would you pay the price? Or would you watch it eat your calves? He said, you, you could let it kill the calves and we'll reimburse you for it. But uh, where do you stand in those issues? And then there's the tax revolt. A few years ago, it was popular to withhold our taxes. Any of you think of some areas that the government wastes your money on? <laughs> you just as soon not, not pay those taxes because it's gone to causes you don't believe in? Do, and then you have to wrestle with that, the fact that Jesus says, render unto Caesar things that are Caesar's, and, and on and on go the issue. Now, it's not my intention this morning to do the difficult work for you. I'm not going to give a definitive answer to any one of those issues. I'm just raising those to get us thinking here. Uh, you can go home and do the difficult work. I just want to remind you, Romans 13:1 says, the powers that be are ordained of God. And as we think about that today, I, as Paul wrote those words in Romans 13, that included Nero. Nero was on the throne. As a matter of fact, Nero was just about to pass sentence on him and have him put to death. But uh, he said that this is, he is ordained of God. How do we proclaim the excellence of, of Christ when we consider all of the issues that we have to wrestle with and deal with, even in our society today. I'm going to give you a series of questions here this morning. First of all, what is our basic responsibility? What is it when we think of the government and the government officials and so forth? What is the basic command that God has given to us? It comes out of verse 13. It's a very simple one. You can probably even memorize it this week if you wanted to. He said, submit yourselves to every human institution here. Simple enough, but let's take a look at the words. What, what, what does it mean? Submit is a military term. It literally means to place yourself under or to rank yourself under the authority of someone else. It was used to describe the chain of command in a military system. And Paul uses that same word in Romans chapter 13 there where he says we are to submit ourselves to the governing authorities there. Uh, God, in the very beginning of time, established a chain of command with Adam and Eve, 
Uh, Adam was the head. Eve was to follow there. Uh, he's done it in the home. He's done it in the, in the government circles. He, we, we find it in the church. We find it in the business world. There is a, an order of government established first by God there. He has built that concept, I think, into our lives and into our very thinking there. And so we have that chain of command that's given to us here. The second word is every. And when he uses that word, he's talking about the fact that there are multi-levels of government. We have our federal government. We have our state government. We have our county government. We have our local government. Do we have the right to pick and choose which one we're going to obey? No, he says everyone. We, we have that responsibility to, to submit on all of those different levels. And then he uses the word institution here. Some of your translations will put it ordinances there. He's not referring in that to specific laws. For years when I lived in South Dakota, I violated some of the basic laws of the city. Between my house and the fire station, there were four stop signs. I didn't stop at them when the siren went off. I, I, I wisely looked to see if there was traffic coming, but if there was no traffic coming, I didn't waste my time stopping because I had to get to the fire department as, as, as quick as I can. What, was I being uh, disrespectful of the government? No, that was just part of it. I think of Daniel in that connection. In the Old Testament, Daniel chapter 1, he was taken captive. Uh, the king gave them all kinds of fancy food and wines and so forth to eat. And Daniel said, you know what? This is contrary to the way of God. I can't do this. And so... Rather than have a protest, rather than make an issue of it, he went and he requested permission to eat what we know of today as the Daniel diet, uh, basically vegetables and so forth. But uh, he, he respectfully asked the permission to go against the king's command there, and that was granted to him there. What? So the, our basic responsibility is to submit, but why are we to submit? Verse 13 nails it down for us. He says, we submit for the Lord's sake. We submit, he puts it very simply here, because God is the one who has established order in our society. God is the one who has given us those different levels there. And when we rebel for no good cause, we damage the name of of Jesus Christ. Because if this is his creation, if he has established order in the home and in the church and in society, and we rebel against that, then we are not showing the excellencies of Christ. We are showing just the opposite there. So he said, for the sake of the Lord, we submit. Years ago, when we first moved to South Dakota, I was pastoring two churches at the same time. One was, as ours is, an evangelical free church. The other was a in a different denomination, but they were in the process of joining the Evangelical Free Church. So they'd asked permission to leave their denomination and to become part of, of ours there. Uh, when that was finalized, I, I had to go to their synod meeting and, and, and uh, present who we were, what, what was happening, and so forth. And I remember arriving there, and somebody said, where's our chairman? He's not here yet. And somebody said he probably got stopped speeding down the freeway. They said he is one ticket away from losing his driver's license. 
And so if he got stopped, he probably won't be here. And uh, this was thought of as, as quite a joke amongst the group there. This pastor is going to lose his driver's license and so forth. I kind of took a different approach to that. I didn't see it as a funny matter. I thought, what do you say as a pastor, if that's the case, what do you say to that police officer that gives you that ticket? How do you present Christ to somebody when you've been violating the law? And he knows it. What does that say to your congregation? It's all right to pick and choose what you're going to do, what you're going to obey. And then I thought of, what about the young people in this congregation? What kind of message was he giving them as he was supposed to be presenting Christ to them? I thought it was tragic myself. I don't know whether he got a ticket. He did show up, so obviously he didn't get a ticket on the way, but he may have got it on the way home. I don't know. But uh, we are to submit because the things that we do reflect upon not ourselves. They reflect upon Jesus Christ. We're his ambassadors. We're his representatives here. And so if we deliberately go out and and violate the law and and disobey it and, and so forth, we are in danger of damaging the testimony of Jesus Christ and and bringing a reproach to his name there. I think we need to be careful that even in the area of uh, criticism, we we have the right to criticize. But when we, if if that's all we do with our government is criticize, what does that say to our unsaved friends, to our neighbors? To, to our loved ones. Uh, what, what message are, are we sending in that? Are we submitting for the Lord's sake? Then the third question is, why did God establish government in the first place? He gives us two reasons here. The first one is to punish evildoers. That presupposes that in our society, there are some rights and wrongs, that there are some absolutes. Now, we're moving away from that today. And we're going to see a breakdown, I believe, in our society. There's going to be a lot of lawlessness come because we've thrown out moral absolutes. God has established moral absolutes, and as as government upholds them, evildoers are punished. But the problem today is, who's evil? If you have no biblical foundation, what do you you call evil? Whose whose viewpoint is it? It's uh, obviously, if, if you're going to go that route, it should be my viewpoint. <laughs> and you're sitting there saying, no, wait a minute, it should be my viewpoint. No, uh, I get the right to say because I'm up here t- today. But uh, that, that's what we're looking at in our society because we're not basing it on moral absolutes there. Second thing he established in order of government is for the reward of the righteous. Now, I realize that no earthly system is perfect. It would be great if they would punish the evildoers, reward the righteous. Sometimes those lines are blurred, and yet ultimately those powers of the be have to answer to God for how they use or abuse the power that God has given to them. And so uh, that, that's their responsibility. If they don't do it, they are answerable to the Almighty God there. The, the next question, I wasn't even told. I got them wrong in my notes. I don't know if I got them wrong in your notes. Uh, should be number four there. 
Did, did I have that right in your notes? Yeah, yeah okay. She, she corrected it for me. Is there a time for civil disobedience? Notice what he says here. He says we are to do what is right in verses 15 and 16. For this is the will of God that by doing right you may silence the ignorance of foolish people there. We are to do the right thing. That involves acting, as you get into verse 16, as free men, as free individuals here. What, did, what does he mean by that? Uh, slaves don't have the right to act as free individuals. Only those who have been set free by Jesus Christ can do that. And, and that's us. We've been set free to glorify Jesus Christ today. Our first responsibility is to do what God expects of us. That's what Daniel was wrestling with back in Daniel chapter 1. As he was commanded to eat that which was forbidden by God, he said, I can't do that. My first allegiance is to Jesus Christ, or, or to God there. Uh, the Old Testament form would be Yahweh there. Uh, slaves had the responsibility to do the right thing, even if it cost them their lives. Wives were to submit first to God and then to their husbands there. I realize a lot of husbands take that, wives submit yourselves to your husbands out of context. And they think, well, I'm the boss. I can tell my wife what to do and she better do it or else. No. She has the responsibility, first of all, to submit to God. What What is it that God would have her to do? Our first responsibility is to glorify him. And if the government oversteps its bounds, then he says it's a time to act as free men. Acts chapter 5, verse 29, uh, Peter and John were on trial by the Sanhedrin, and they said, hey, didn't we tell you you can't preach in the name of Jesus Christ? And Peter looked at them and he said, we have to obey God rather than man. God comes first in our lives. That, uh, But we need to make sure that the area that we are involved in in civil dis disobedience is a scriptural principle involved, that, that it definitely is contrary to the word of God. For instance, our kids are told they can't have prayer in school. Someone has wisely said as long as there's tests, there's going to be prayer in school. <laughs> uh, that, does, does the government have the right to say you can't pray in school? They can say it, but they don't have that right. That's between the individual and God. Can a, can a student quietly pray in school? Can a teacher quietly pray? Yes, they can. God comes first in, in those situations. We cannot use the government as an excuse to do what's wrong. For instance, uh, another illustration, you are against the area of abortion. You know a doctor that's involved in abortion. You don't have the right to go out and shoot that doctor. That's contrary to the word of God. You have to do what is right there and what God says is right. Also, I think as you think of this area, it just may be, for instance, the area of abortion, the protest and so forth, that God may lead you different than your brother or sister. I think of my friend back in South Dakota. His son was going to be arrested. I'm not sure that I would want to do that. But that was something he felt he had to do for, for the glory of Jesus Christ. And so he did it there. And I, I don't condemn him for doing that. 
I, I think he showed a high degree of respect for his father, knowing his father was a pastor, to call in advance and let him know and, and to be prepared for that. And, and yet he felt that was something that God would have him to do. So how do we fulfill this command? It's easy to say we're going to submit, but, but it's a complicated area. We all need wisdom. And so Peter gives us four guidelines here to help us fulfill this command, to help us as we walk through this life to glorify God in the political realm. He said, first of all, I want you to honor all men, coming out of verse 17 here. Or that could also be honor all people there. Uh, a basic respect for individuals. We may not always be able to respect the individual, but we are called to respect the office that God has established. I, I remember years ago hearing the former bishop of Uganda Uganda, the, the Church of England there, uh, speaking in Canada, uh, he spoke of the fact uh, he had lost most of his family, had been murdered by Idi Amin. His message basically was, we need to pray for this man. wasn't seeking vengeance. This man, he said, needs to come to Jesus Christ. He recognized that yeah, he had misused his position. He, he had not acted as he should in that situation, but here was somebody that needed Jesus Christ. Now, I think there's a challenge in that for us today. I wonder how many times have we been tempted to criticize our president? Has he done some things you don't like? How many times have you stopped and prayed for that man? Prayed that God would get a hold of his heart, that, that God would change him, that, that God would work in his life. We're involved in a political process, and do, do you ever sometimes scratch your head and say, who in the world should we vote for? Or do we stop and pray for those individuals that somehow God would touch their hearts and reach them? We have that responsibility, I believe, to honor those individuals. Even if we don't agree with all of their politics, we need to pray for them. That's showing that honor and respect for them. Then he goes on to say, love the brotherhood or love the brethren now. He's dealing with fellow Christians there, people that are part of the family of God. We need to be careful how we criticize our brother or our sister today. I think we need to allow for differences. We will not all see eye to eye on the same issues. Some people will like one form of music. We, we joke about that with our kids every time we get together. We say, hey, let's get out a Gaither video and have some music. That's not their music style. They, 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 they've never, never gone there with us. Uh, we had a we drove from Grangeville to Billings here a couple weeks ago and took our daughter with us. She had her music, we had ours. <laughs> and she got to listen to some of ours, we got, we got to listen to some of hers. It's not an issue of right and wrong, it's just different tastes there, different worship styles. We do not want to force everybody into the same mold. God doesn't, so why should we? Now, I'm going to do a little bit of meddling on that for just a minute here. Um, uh, we're all aware that there are different political parties out there. Are you aware of the fact that there are some Christians involved in the Republican Party? 
And then are you well aware that there are some Christians involved in the Democratic Party as well? God leads us to different issues and different ways. Do we respect, do we demonstrate that basic love to somebody that doesn't see eye to eye politically with us? They're a child of God. They love the Lord Jesus Christ. God is leading them down a a slightly different direction for a reason. Do we respect that? Or do we try to say, you don't believe my way, you're not spiritual. No, that's not the case. We need to accept one another, love one another, and allow for those differences today. That's one of the reasons you will not hear me endorsing a candidate from the pulpit. That's between you and the Lord. I've been asked several times recently, who are you going to vote for? I'm not going to tell you. As a pastor, I'm not going to give you that information because you have to wrestle with the issues. You have to come to grips with how does God want you to vote? I'm not going to fill out the ballot for you. You have to do that. You have to do the hard work. I I, I do the hard work for myself, but I'm sure not going to do it for you. So I love the brothers. Then he said, fear God. Someone has wisely said, if we fear God, we don't need to fear anything else. The word fear that he uses here is to have that sense of reverence, a, a, a proper reverence of respect for God. When we have that, then he enables us to live out the basic convictions that he gives us in a sin-darkened world. The fact of the matter is, no matter what the world does, ultimately, you and I someday must stand before the judgment seat of Christ. We have to answer for how we've lived our life, for how we've used the resources, how we have served him as he has called us to do. Have we done what he's asked us to do, that's reverence. That, that's showing reverence to him. Ultimately, we stand before him. And then he says, honor the king. Those in governing offices that are over us, in, in verse 17 there. And again, as we approach the Lord's table, I realize this was a controversial area. I realize we all have strong opinions on some of the issues of our day here. How are you doing in that area? Are you proclaiming the excellencies of Christ by how you relate to the governing authorities? Or are you simply a complainer, just whining and and look at how bad it is and so forth? Or are you taking some time to pray, to intercede for those in authority over us, to, to pray that God would direct them and use them to the glory of Jesus Christ? Is there some area that you need to take a stand? Maybe it will involve some civil disobedience as time goes on. Are you willing to say, Lord, you come first in my life? And whatever it is that you ask me, that is what I am prepared to do. Are we praying for those in authority? First Timothy chapter 2 lays that responsibility on the shoulders of the men. Pray for those that are in authority over us, that that God would give us a quiet and peaceful life there. And so as we approach the Lord's table, I, I want you to search your hearts in these areas. Have you really proclaimed the excellencies of Christ in this area? Or have you been whining and complaining and, and tearing down others and so forth? Uh, have you been judging your brother wrongly because they don't see eye to eye on the issue as you see it? 
Do you need to ask the Lord's forgiveness in those areas? Remember, he said when we come to the Lord's table, we're to do what? Search our own hearts. To make sure that we are in right relationship with Jesus Christ. And so I'm not going to give you a definitive answer on all the issues this morning. You have to wrestle with that. What would God have you to do? But I would give you that question. Are you doing what God has asked you to do? Can you come before the table to say today and say, Lord, I have followed you. I have kept the command that you've given to me. Let's just spend a, a moment in silent prayer as we search our hearts in, in these areas. Father, this is not an easy area for us as a child of God. We want to proclaim your glory, but we live in a society where we can so easily overstep those bounds. We're free to criticize. We're free to complain. We're free to protest. And yet we need to ask ourselves, have we really glorified you in these areas of our life? And if we haven't, we want to be cleansed of that. We want to be forgiven. If we've misjudged our brother or sister because they don't see eye to eye on that, we need that forgiveness as well. So cleanse us, Father. Prepare us for this opportunity to proclaim you through the partaking of the Lord's table, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, now I need some clarification there. Gretchen, you've got your harp here. Are you going to play that during communion? or? Okay, all right. So we can move right on into it. Okay. Uh, I should have asked you sooner, but uh, I forgot. Okay, we read in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, I received from the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, in the night in which he was betrayed, took bread. When he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Same way he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as oft as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And did you notice in that? He submitted himself to the Father. Remember in the Garden of Gethsemane, he prayed, Not my will, but thine be done. It was costly. Uh, there was a price to pay. But aren't you thankful that he did? That he gave himself for us. And then he said, what you've seen me do, you go and live that out yourselves. I'm going to ask the men to come forward at this time. And we read that the Lord Jesus took bread and broke it. Phil, would you return thanks for the bread?
Nietzsche of it. Same way also he took the cup when he had supped, saying, This cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. John, would you return thanks for the cup? going to break tradition for just a minute. Fran and John, if you would like to pick up a tray, it may save me dropping it. Thank you.
We're going to sing in closing, Blessed Be the Tide That Binds. We may have our differences politically, but we have a union in Christ, and let's celebrate that today. Let's stand as we close. And this, this will be our closing prayer. Let's be the tide.